Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This past year, we released a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time, and it's called The Rhythm of Us. And it's available now wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. Well, today we are so thrilled to welcome Shauna Nequist to the show. Shauna is a New York Times bestselling author with books like Present Over Perfect, Bread and Wine, and Savor. We sat down with Shauna to unpack her latest book, honestly, one of your favorites, you can't, you're <laughs> always sure. reading it, <laughs> entitled, I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. Yes, lots to learn for <laughs> me as well. Lots to learn. Oh, we all do. <laughs> yes. Shauna shares her incredible journey of navigating life in a season of big change. She shares about learning to let go, remaking your life, and what it means to start over with curiosity and self-compassion. Put yourself in the path of delight. Put yourself in the path of healing. Put yourself in the path of hope. You can sit back and stay home and expect those things to crash into your life, but in my experience, they mostly don't. But at the same time, you can't force them into your life. This isn't work you do on your own. So it's that funny middle place of sort of, yeah, stepping out into that path and waiting for it to join you. Man, this interview for me was one that could not have come at a better time. After navigating our own move across the country with little kids just before COVID, just before turning 40, all these similarities, man, I just needed every single word. And each time I listened through, God just spoke to me in a completely different way. So I cannot wait for you all to hear Shauna's incredible story and all the wisdom that she shares along the way. Yeah, it's so good. So here's the deal. No matter where this finds you today, we hope that this conversation will be as helpful to you as it was to us. So without further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. Here's Shauna. Well, Shauna, we're so excited that you're here. It's an honor to have you be a guest in the Rhythm of Us Rhythm of Us podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Good. Well, I know you've got this brand new project. Jenny has been diving in. She's absolutely love <laughs> yes, it. Yes, absolutely love it. I love everything that you write. Please keep writing. We just love it. It's so wonderful. But um, we get we were talking before we jumped on. We got to have Aaron on the show a little bit ago, and it was just such a wonderful, rich episode. So we've been looking forward to this conversation as well. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to it too. Cool. All right. So for anyone who's listening out there that may be living under a rock and doesn't know <laughs> who you are, the work that you do, could you fill them in a little bit on who Shauna is? Well, um, I'm a writer and uh, a reader. I'm a writer because I'm a reader because I love to read. I'm a total bookworm. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from outside Chicago and spent a lot of time in Michigan. And that's where my husband and I are both from, where we grew up, where both our families are. And then three years ago, we moved with our boys. We have two sons. We moved to Manhattan and it has just been an amazing adventure for us. And so this book that is coming out soon is essentially a collection of essays all about change and curiosity and remaking your life and what it means to start over and leave things behind. And we kind of had an opportunity to do that in a million different ways in the last couple of years. It's been really challenging and also really exciting. Okay. So take us back to kind of the inception of that dream. You know, you said you guys both grew up in the Midwest, kind of had an idea that you'd be there forever. What what sparked that dream for you guys? Um, take us back to where it all kind of began. Well, um, I think at 
like most married people know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Erin has been saying, like had been saying maybe for like 10 years, I'm like, are we going to have a big adventure? I want to have a big adventure. And I was like, I would like to go on a trip, you know? And <laughs> you mean a vacation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're really far away. Just like wherever you want. But um, he had an increasing sense of wanting our life to be an adventure, wanting to live further away from our extended families, wanting to live in a little bit of a different lifestyle. And um, at the when he first brought up that conversation, I was like, oh, that sounds not, not like something I want to do, you know? <laughs> so I think for years... We kept taking trips and I kind of stubbornly held to this vision of our life that now when I look back on it, so many things had ended and I was not willing to grapple with and face the enormity of those endings. And so I just kept hanging on and kept hanging on and kept hanging on. When I look back, it was really clear that the next right step for us was to make a major change. Um, but it took me a long time to get there. And that, that's actually something I really regret. Although when you're in the moment, you can't see things as clearly as you can with hindsight. But I would say a combination of desire for a new way of life and then some really distinct endings. Um, we left the church that we had been a part of for a long time. Some of our fundamental relationships had shifted. Some of uh, Aaron's job had been at a church for a long time and I'd always been working from home so I could live anywhere. And so we started this process together and it felt very like Goldilocks, like this is not our home. This is not our home. Like this, do that. And we actually, to be honest, we went all over the country and we never really considered New York because like who moves to New York? Like what a weird right. thing. Especially with kids, especially when you have kids, you're like, New York is for the younger days, right? Those early twenties. And we had people tell us that they were like, this sounds like what you do after college. We were like, well, it's way after college. It's after college. Yeah. That's so funny. But we had good friends who lived here in New York and we visited them every summer and we, um, I would teach at and Aaron would lead worship at their church. And in the middle of all this moving and flying around the country and trying to figure out where we want to be, we kept coming to New York and we were sort of the last ones to catch on to like, we could do this. And so we had a couple of good friends here say like, listen, I'm, I'm watching you like scour the country. What's wrong with us? Why not move here? And all of the challenges, all the reasons every other place felt like a door that was closing, New York just opened and opened and opened. And it was the most natural in a really in a season of a lot of chaos and pain. I felt God's provision and invitation so distinctly through the move to New York. So it's just been an absolute delight. I love that so much. So, okay, I want to jump into this book. There's so many great phrases that are sticking with me throughout the book, not just the title, but throughout. But let's start with that one. I guess I haven't learned that yet. Talk about the idea of that phrase, kind of where it came from and what it looks like for you guys in your life together. Well, I mean, like so many things, um, as a parent, you start off with an idea that's for your kids. And then you realize that the idea is actually for you, you know, like <laughs> this is actually the thing I'm telling them to do is exactly the thing I need to do myself. So, you know, they were, they moved, they were seven and 12 when we moved. So one went into the middle school that's like about a mile away down in the West Village. One went to an elementary school just a block away. And they were great schools. We were, that was really important to us. We happened, we moved into a place that has really great public schools. But there's just differences. You know, they walk instead of taking the bus. The Everything's different. The schedule's different. Um, the, la the elective languages, French, for, French versus Spanish, guitar versus piano. 
And so they were coming home and I could feel like just every day they would come home with like just a little more stress and frustration. Like this is hard. And, and underneath all the questions, I realized that they were starting to ask deeper questions. Like, am I falling behind? Is there something wrong with me? Have I made too many mistakes? Am I dumb? And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. As soon as I realized this wasn't just like, how do I get to my locker? But it was, it was fundamental questions about like how they are in the world. I said like, time out. And I got a piece of printer paper and I wrote this phrase and I put it on our wall with like a blue piece of painter's tape. And it said, I guess I haven't learned that yet. And I said, listen, as a family, we're going to say this all four of us every single day, because this is what it means to move, to be new, to be a rookie, to be figuring something out. We're not wrong for not knowing. We're brave for being, being willing to make a change and being willing to ask for what we do, ask to figure out what we don't yet know. And so we wanted to really normalize that for our kids. And we gave them like a ton of examples, like, you know, how I take the subway in the wrong place, like half the time, you know, how dad can't figure out how to get the laundry done. You know how, like all these, <laughs> we just were like working really hard to help them understand that this is how it is when you move. This is how it is when you start over. You shouldn't already know these things. You shouldn't already have nailed this. It's okay to be at the beginning of something. And as time went on, I realized this isn't the theme of my kids' life or transition. This is the biggest thing that I need to embrace in my life right now. You know, we moved when we were in our mid-40s. I'd written a bunch of books. I'd lived in my hometown for a long time. And there's this sense of sort of like, I always think this is weird, but like the second you write a book, people think you're an expert on something. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not an expert on anything. I just like to type. Like it's a totally different thing. Um, you get to a certain point where people look at you like you know, and you start thinking you know, right? And this move was such a leveling. I didn't know how to do almost anything. And I liked the feeling. I liked, it took the pressure off my shoulders. And it, and it allowed me to be curious, not just about the things I didn't know about the city, but about the things I didn't know about marriage, faith, parenting, my own writing life. It gave me a new sense of curiosity that it was okay to keep learning. It was okay to start again. It was okay to get it wrong and start again and again and again. And it brought a lot of life and freedom to some things that had felt sort of pressurized and stuck. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Well, just tell your son, everyone gets the subway messed up. I, I, I tell you, you know how many times I've been like, oh my God, I'm six blocks away from where I'm supposed to be. A hundred percent. Totally jumped on the wrong train every time. Um, so I want to just take a step. One, first off, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think people are listening going, oh God, yeah, that, that yes. is so good. There's some relief there whatever. I don't want to gloss over the idea that you guys worked through a thing that a lot of couples out there listening are probably working through. Somebody saying, let's take an adventure. That is me in this relationship. <laughs> and she's been super great to go on the adventure with me. Can, can you just speak a little bit to that? And then we'll, we'll dive back in. But I just, I, cause I know there's someone watching going like, I just, can you please just, please talk to me just a little bit about that. Cause like he wants to go on an adventure and I don't or vice versa. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. And that um, I have learned so much. And actually one of my really, um, deepest regrets in our marriage is, um, and I think it's easy to get to this place, but I'm not proud of it. I really made the assumption that we wanted the exact same thing, even though he was telling me in really clear language, I do not want that. I was like, yeah, I mean, but I think you probably do. But what you're saying is <laughs> you totally do. So he was in this point in his life where he wanted like 
a change. He wanted adventure. He wanted to be in a more progressive culture. He wanted to travel more. He wanted like a, a big shakeup. And I would it, like, it, it felt like he was kind of the youngest version of himself in a good way. Mm. I was like, um, I want a farmhouse and cashmere sweatpants. I was like 80 years old in my soul at that time. I was tired. I'd been working a lot. I'd been traveling a ton. And that was one of the important things for us to talk about. He had been working at a church with my family. That was hard. He was ready for an adventure. Mm. I was traveling like a crazy person dying for like roots and home and coziness. So there's that inherent mismatch in our lifestyles, but both of us, I think, made the assumption, but definitely more me, that I hear you saying you want an adventure, but I think you mean you want to buy that farmhouse in the country that I also want to buy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I wish I would. And, and it was just fear on my part. I wanted him to want what I wanted because I didn't have, want to have to give up what I wanted. I was afraid. And so I didn't listen well. And I really hope, I really hope the pain of that season taught me to never stop listening again. Mm. I have apologized over and over. And I really, I hope the next time he tells me something, I listen to him, even if it could potentially cost me something. Uh, because I caused us a lot of extra pain by not listening. Um, we should have moved several years before we did. And it's my fault that we didn't because I was so invested in what I thought was best for us and what I thought we wanted. I, I think I told myself, I just have to look out for myself. I have to look out for my own happiness. He wants what he wants, but I have to preserve what I want. When I see him now in our life here in New York and the work that he's doing and the communities he's a part of and the friendships he's a part of, he's a really joyful person. He's a delight to live with. There's a, a lightness and an ease and a vibrance to, to being in partnership with him that was not true when I was keeping him in a life that he was very clear wasn't working for him. And so I really wish I would have made that decision sooner. Even if you're just making it from a selfish standpoint, it's really nice to be in a partnership with a happy person, right? That's <laughs> sure. made a huge difference. Does that all make sense? It does. So good. Yeah, that is, that's so great. Great question. I love that. And I was going to ask, so one of the things that Aaron mentioned in our conversation with him was that because of your dis different personalities, often what you both need is the exact opposite in the moment. So I'm curious in navigating this big life-changing transition, how have you found to support each other in finding new rhythms that might look totally different for the other? Well, you know, one of our, we have a couple real core differences. Like we're very much a marriage of opposites. There are a lot of things that like hold us together and that we, we both love, but in terms of how we live, we're pretty different. And one of the biggest things is introvert extrovert. So one of the things we joke about it and, uh, one of the functions of me being an extrovert is it's, uh, I feel close to people pretty quickly. And one of the functions of being an introvert for Aaron is he can spend what feels to me like a lot of time with someone and still not feel quite connected. And so we've had to learn how like our relational rhythms work differently. You know, we're both in a new place and getting to know new people. And for me, that's like, oh, I sat next to a girl on a flight into Newark and now I'm going up to her store and then we're getting tacos. And then I met this girl, like I just, that's really fun for me. And then I'll, we'll meet twice and I'll be like, you know, my best friend, Naomi. And he's like the one you met twice. I'm like, well, it was like long, long, long conversation. So yeah. And Aaron's like, 
it, it takes him a lot of time and a lot of conversation. And so we have to give each other uh, the freedom to do it differently and, and to pursue those relationships differently and to um, go at our own paces relationally a little bit. That's been helpful for us. One thing I do want to say is like, you know, I'm sure for you, as he was thinking, let's go on this big adventure and you keep hearing it. But but there's probably this fear of, for you talk about fear is him. You get there and go him going, let's go on another adventure. <laughs> but what's neat is that you see him going, this is the adventure. Like right here, we saw God and we're in the adventure. and He's not asking for a different life. He he totally. loves the one that we have. Totally. It, it, you're exactly right. It's a... um whatever Aaron says he wants next, whatever that, whether it's a move or just anything, I can really trust him because he told me what he wanted and we're doing it and it's great. So like he was right, you know? Um, I think there was a part of me that just thought like, I'm probably right on this one. We probably should stay home forever, you know? Um, <laughs> absolutely. And I can trust his instincts and his intuition and his faith and, this was the right place for us. And I'm delighted that that's the case. That's awesome. That's so great. I love it. Okay. So let's jump into some of these big phrases in the book. Um, one of them that I would love for you to unpack for us is put yourself in the path. I think as somebody who can get really easily paralyzed in difficult times and just like curl up and wait for it to be over, this was so empowering to have an action step. Can you kind of unpack that and then maybe give some practical examples of how to put yourself in the path? Absolutely. So sometimes when you're in a, like a, a really chaotic situation or a difficult situation, or especially for Christians, it's very easy to pray about it, to desire God's help, to desire hope, a change, healing, something to come, but then to sit and wait for it, right? Like if I'm being extremely faithful, faithful, it will just land into my life. And I think we have to participate in our own healing. I think we have to participate. We have to partner with God's work in our lives. And I think I, I mean that in really big ways and in really small ways. Joy does not invade your life unbidden. Forgiveness does not crash into your heart without you putting a little work into it. Like, like a, a friend of mine always talks about a little old-fashioned elbow grease. And I think there's faith. And then it works in partnership with a little bit of elbow grease. And what that's what put yourself in the path of means to me. Put yourself in the path of delight. Put yourself in the path of healing. Put yourself in the path of hope. You can sit back and stay home and expect those things to crash into your life. But in my experience, they mostly don't. But at the same time, you can't force them into your life. This isn't work you do on your own. So it's that funny middle place of sort of, yeah, stepping out into that path and waiting for it to join you. For me, a lot of a lot of it's about asking for help or getting outside or taking care of my body or doing some spiritual practices that we invest in and participate in our own healing in concrete ways instead of waiting for that magically to happen to us while we're, while we're kind of all like clenched up and closed. You have to participate in that process in order for things to kind of get in motion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think that's so helpful. You know, I think a lot of people have been through a lot these last few years and it can feel like the very last thing you want to do to go out and search for celebration and joy when you're kind of in survival mode. What encouragement would you give to somebody who's feeling that like I am just stuck in kind of a negative space? How do I break out of this? You know, I would say start really small, but start every day. 
So like even when you, when you talk about celebration, like there have definitely been seasons in my life in the last couple of years where celebration would have been a stretch. Like that's, <laughs> that's a bridge too far. But, <laughs> um, I can take a walk every day. I can read something beautiful every day. I can reach out to someone who loves me every day. Uh, one of the things I do when I'm walking is such like a core spiritual practice for me. And it's actually one of the core reasons I, I was excited to move to the city. All through my life, I've been a walker. Um, and I especially love walking in cities. And some of it is I love being on the hunt for like beauty and excitement and crazy fashion and art and beautiful food. And that's really energizing for me. So even when I like, I'm definitely not down for full celebration mode, but I can take a 20 minute walk and find three beautiful and inspiring things. And that's a good start. You know, it doesn't have to be nothing. It doesn't have to be like, I am fully engaging in a life of great joy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not available to us. (laughs) you can text one person who you know loves you and that can put a little bit of gas in the tank that you need just to keep going. So I would say I'm big into um, tiny little steps every day as opposed to the grand gestures. It's easier to sort of fantasize about like waking, maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and have like grand gesture energy. Probably not. Maybe today I can just come up with enough energy to do the walk to read one poem, to text one friend. Little by little, that's what starts to bring us back to the surface in my experience. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We'll get back to the show in a minute. But real quick, I just wanted to remind you to order a copy or two or three of my parents' new book, The Rhythm of Us. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, so another one of the phrases that is just helping me so much, we recently moved as well. Recently, I say that it's two and a half years ago, but it feels very recent because of, you know, the last two years that we've kind of gone through. Yeah. So, so much of this just helped so much. But you talk about in the chapter Living Lightly, you kind of start going off on all the things that you're getting used to in a new city, right? This is how it was there, but this is how it is here. And and at the end of that paragraph, I was shaking my head with you, nodding, just going, yes, yes, yes. And I expected you to say at the end of that, and this is really hard to get used to. But instead you said, and there's a lot to love about that. And it took me so off guard. I was not prepared for that. I was ready for you to give me permission to go, this is really hard. It's hard to get used to this. But instead, what you gave me was, and there's a lot to love about the newness of this place. And I've just been hearing it everywhere I go. When I'm tempted to go, this is really hard. I'm used to it this way. But what can I find to love about it instead of, wish that I could grab onto from the last season. Talk about that mindset. Did you land on that mindset automatically or was there kind of a struggle to get there? Well, I I think there are sort of two answers to that. The first answer is we, one of our family kind of values for this move was we always wanted to ask ourselves, what's the New York way to do this? Because we knew if we were expecting it to be our hometown, we'd be frustrated all the time. There's nothing about living in Manhattan that's like living in the suburb we lived in all our lives. And if we were always holding it against that comparison, we it would lose every time. And so we said, let's engage in what is. Let's look at what's right in front of our eyes. Let's accept 
the reality of our lives right now instead of longing for what's already passed. And I think that gave us the freedom to fall in love with it a little bit and to see what's good about it. Of course, there are things we miss. Of course, there are things, there are people especially that we miss. And you do have all the permission in the world to miss those things and treasure those things. At the same time, though, it's been really helpful for us to spend a little bit more time loving what is as opposed to missing what's past. Um, I think it's easy to be nostalgic and to sometimes get a little sentimental about like every once in a while, you'll hear someone talk about like how amazing something was in the past. And you're like, you know what? I was there with you and it, it was only sort of great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy though, when things are hard to go back and say, but the past was so amazing. And I think there's something really freeing about saying the past was both both good and hard. And the present is both, both good and hard, but I'm invested in living the life right in front of me. What's available to me now. Mm, that's so good. I think, I think I get to be the balance of the, you know, the <laughs> past was say, okay. I feel like you when, say that to me all the time. Wasn't so bad. Like, remember you know, this, 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 this. Remember great. Texas is 115 <laughs> degrees in the summer. Remember yeah, you can, that's you know, true. Yeah. All the things. So I, I want to know, uh, there's a little bit of a cliffhanger that you left us with when you, put this paper on the wall and you wrote this list down and your kids in school. And so here we are, what, how many years later since that, that went on the wall, tell me about the journey, what that looked like for your family. Once that blue painters tape was put on the wall and that, that document was right there. So it's been three and a half years now and, uh, and like a wild three and a half years, right? Like we moved here and then sure. like 14 months later was the beginning of the pandemic. So we had, kind of just gotten our sea legs here. And then things changed really dramatically. And then it seems like some, since then they keep changing dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, it's so fun to watch our kids. Like they're New York kids now. Like they have like little New York accents. <laughs> our um, older son takes the subway um, to school every day. And um, high schools are really different here. You specialize really early the way you would like in college for most of us. So my son's in a film program at an art and design high school. And to watch them really dive into New York life has been really amazing and life-giving. And we learn a lot from them. And it's been so fun to watch them kind of find their New York selves. Um, and I would say in some ways they're leading us in that process. It's great. Mm, that's awesome. So one of the things that you talk about is not just leaving behind a place or even people, but leaving behind identities that you believed you could never live without. Um, I think that can be one of the absolute hardest parts of a move or a big transition is letting go of who we thought we were because of that place. So can you share a little bit more about that and, and how your identity had to shift and change as you grew and moved? No, for me, a lot of it was the... Um... It was that sense of being known and then all of a sudden the total I, i'm new in every room i walk into and there's no context and no bigger you know what i mean yes. um so i lived in my hometown where my family's church was where i had worked in that church where my childhood friends were i lived on the same street as my brother almost every room i walked into in that situation someone had a context for where I came from, and it was from there. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> my kids went to schools that I grew up in. Their little league coaches were like guys I went to high school with, like just the layers of familiarity, right? Mm -hmm. And then you come to New York City and people 
don't know anything about me and like kind of don't care. And it's pretty great. And you just have to like talk to people about things that you hold in common. And nobody knows your cousins or your hometown or where you came from or has that shared experience from summer camp or cheerleading or whatever. And you have to stand on the person that you are now, not all those old identities and associations. And there's something really wonderful and life-giving about building relationships based just on who we are right now. Hmm. I'm just a lady living in Chelsea. And I met this mom at the park because our kids were playing together. And we connect on what's um, interesting and shared between us. But there's not like 30 years of familiarity. Hmm. And that's different for me. And it's really good. And I think I had become a little too fixed in my identity. And I think some of that is being in your same hometown for a long time. And some of it is the process of like public life and marketing and all that stuff. Like I remember a couple years ago, I was in a publishing meeting at a book coming out and they made a mood board and it like, it was me. It was oh like, gosh. yeah, this is Shauna. These are the things she likes. These are the things she eats. These are the things she wears. These are the places she goes on vacation. And I remember looking at it going like, I mean, like on one hand, you nailed it. On the other hand, like, you know, I'm not a product, right? Like, and I could change, right? I could change. And this move was just an invitation to kind of tear down that mood board and say, it doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter what I eat. It doesn't matter where I vacation or what products I like. There's an essential self in me that can exist anywhere else in the world. And, um, and it doesn't shift but there's a lot of other stuff that can totally shift and it doesn't matter. I don't have to always wear stripes and always eat tomatoes in order to keep being me. I don't have to live in the Midwest. I don't have to do whatever. I get to change my mind. I get to be wrong about things. I get to leave things behind. I get to shift beyond identities that I had 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And I think that's a gift, a gift and a freedom we have to offer each other. It's easy to sort of crystallize ourselves and each other. Like, I need you to be who you've always been for me. I need you to keep believing the same things. I need you to keep acting the same way. Mm. I think there's something really freeing when we set each other free to change and to shift and to become our next selves. That's one of the the key phrases toward the the end of the book is next self. Mm. Um, I hope I'm not the mood board I was seven years ago. I hope I'm different and I hope I'm different seven years from now and I hope I'm different seven years from that. I think there's something good about getting to change and grow that we sometimes forget about when we're clinging to who we've always been. That's so good. I I love all of that. So through all these changes and growing that you've done over the years, especially the last few years, one thing you talk about in the book that has stayed and that has remained is your faith and really your love and your relationship with Christ. Can you talk about how you stayed and why you stayed? You know, um, I think it's a really important question. And um, I think there were people in my life who assumed, and I, they're not crazy for assuming this, that after what I had walked through the last couple of years, faith was probably like done for me. And, and I, I get it. Um, but I realized that my faith is so much a part of who I am it's like you'd have to cut out every vein in my body. It's not like just here or just here. It's it's part of my truest, most essential self. And I can't leave it behind if I try. It's like when you mix the yeast into the flour and it becomes dough, you can never take the yeast back out, right? Mm-hmm. It's who I am. 
And it's the most grounding, healing, stabilizing part of my life. I wouldn't give it up. It, you could take almost anything from me right now, but I would fight for this. Um, and it looks different than it used to. But I think that's part of the point, too. If we don't have a faith that's allowed to shift and grow according to how our lives shift and grow, then it's something that you do have to leave behind at a certain point because it's like expired, right? You're not that person anymore. So the faith doesn't fit anymore. I have watched God invite me into new ways of living alongside my the other changes in my life in such a gracious way. And I have felt so cared for and comforted by his presence along the way. Um, I've had so many relationships in my life shift in really painful ways. And the constancy of God's presence in my life has been one of the greatest gifts of the last several years. And so a lot of things have shifted. And I would say my faith has been, uh, I am more devout now than I ever have been. I hold my faith in a more precious, uh, I value it more. I rely on it more. Um, it is only an increasingly central part of who I am and how I view the world. Love, Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that last piece. That was so good. And then ultimately just your story, your life, this book that you've written, I, I know it's going to help so many people. You know, before we wrap up every episode, you know, we wrote a book called The Rhythm of Us. That's why the title of this podcast. And there's five rhythms that we've discovered that, that help people have a thriving marriage. And we love to just do a quick where one you feel like maybe you're winning in right now? What's one you go, hey, we could probably work on that one right now. And then we'll we'll finish with our final question. So the rhythms are it's the rhythm of speaking life, rhythm of serving, the rhythm of slowing down, the rhythm of adventure, seeking adventure, and the rhythm of staying in awe. So speaking life, serving, slowing down, adventure, and awe. Where do you feel like you guys are kind of knocking out of the park in those rhythms? Well, right off the top of my head, um, speaking life, um, just earlier, you know, like 20 minutes ago, Aaron texted and was like, okay, how are the podcasts going? And I believe in you and I'm proud of you. And he's got a big thing coming up with work. And I was listening to him, asking him some questions about it today and I'm kind of cheering him on. So I feel like we're doing, we're doing a good job um, at um, speaking life. And I wouldn't say that's something we always have known how to do well with each other. Um, and we're getting better and better at it. And I'm really grateful for that. And then I would say we need to do a little bit of work. Um, a book launch is kind of no joke from a schedule standpoint. And then he's got a lot of travel with work and it's all good stuff, but we're probably not slowing down enough together in this season. Mm. I do think we've, one thing we've learned is different seasons have differing levels of intensity. Right. Mm -hmm. So when summer comes, it is a really clear schedule. It's really important for us to slow down. We've built that in already, but these couple months will be a little more like ships in the night from a travel standpoint than we wish it would be. But we'll get on the other side of it. We'll get back into a better rhythm. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So the last question we like to ask is if you could go back on your wedding day and look at those two bright eyed in love people on the altar, what is just one piece of advice that you would give to them? Oh, I mean, I know we've talked about this. Um, listen, even when it might cost you something. Um, trust that that the desires that God has put inside of each one of you, he knows you're married and that you're you're linked together and that your paths are linked together. And I was so afraid of having to give up the life I thought I wanted and needed. I was so afraid of what it would cost me to listen to what he wanted. 
And um, I wish I would have trusted him more and listened better, even though it would have required some changes because they were good changes, but they were scary for me. And so I let my fear uh, keep me from listening well. And I would, I wish I would have done that differently. So good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, your story and this journey that you guys are on and this brand new book. Where can people find you, look you up, grab the book, all that good stuff? Um, you can find me on Instagram. And that's where I am most often in terms of the internet. And the book will be everywhere on April 12th, big stores, little stores, local stores. Yeah, it'll be all over. And I'm, I'm really excited um, for people to get to get it in their hands. It's been a, a long process, but a good one. Well, thank you. thank you again for sharing your words. We hope that you'll keep writing and keep sharing your journey with us because it's just so encouraging and helpful. So I hope people will pick up the book. We'll link to all of that in the show notes, but thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. This was my pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right. What an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Rhythm of Us. Yep, you can find all the resources and links mentioned in today's episode over at our website, therhythmofus.com. We hope you'll check those out as well as our brand new book, The Rhythm of Us, which is available to order right now wherever you get your books. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us, friends. Until next time.